This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I'm going to finish the teaching on prayer this morning. And then I'm going to move into the resurrection of Lazarus. And then I'm going to move into the teaching of the glorious entry or, or, or Palm Sunday. And then I'm going to teach through into Good Friday and Easter, or what we would call Resurrection Sunday or Pascha, the great passing over. Amen? And then I'm going to stay with, I would say, God knows, maybe six years. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay with for a long time the death, burial, and resurrection. Because that's, that's everything. As I said before, that is not a part of the story. That is the story. That is the story. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the faith. And it's the lens by which we must read the word. Or the word becomes a bunch of stories that Jesus becomes a small part of. That's a major issue. Because then you start to value uh, everything and you, you, you devalue Jesus and miss the fact that he's all in all. And it, it, it drowns out uh, a clear vision of Jesus and when that is hazy, your worship experience is instantly affected because your worship depends on your beholding. So if you see him improperly, you will worship improperly. Does that make sense to you? So I want to stay there. Uh, I've done that before. Then we'll move into the ascension. I've done that before, but it never gets old. And I don't know where the church fell into the trap that you had to have a different sermon every day of your preaching life. The, the apostles preached one message, Christ crucified and risen. I'm preaching that till the day I die. So I just want you to know that. Like, if you want to come, that's what we're doing. We're not, I'm not going to teach you how to like, I don't know, get through a rough, this is how you get through it. Find the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, bind your heart to him, let his presence stir your soul. If suffering comes your way, smile at it and rejoice. There's resurrection on the other side. And then he raises you to offer you another cross. I mean, that's just the life we live. You're going to go through that cycle nonstop. I better, we better assassinate this rabbit trail. But let me, let, me, let me just finish. Let me finish this prayer teaching here. All right. Prayer is not limited to a humble request made known to God. And if you grew up in church in America, that's probably what you heard. Prayer is a humble request made known to God. Well, if that's the case, well, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Let's let the scripture speak to us. And could we get uh, two microphones Let's go Amy P. and David. Uh, I, we're going to begin, um, Amy, start in um, verse 16. 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Okay, Christ. so how, how often should we pray? Unceasingly. So as I said before, prayer cannot be limited to a request. If that's the case, you're going to literally live your Christian life asking for stuff. And then how do you witness to someone if, if, if prayer is limited to speaking how do you actually witness to someone? How do you go on a date? I mean, I don't know about you, but my wife, if I was in prayer while she wanted me to like, like verbal prayer, while we were supposed to talk about something, she'd be like, you're a nut. You're, you're, you've lost your mind. Hopefully most of you wives would do the same. If not, we've got to do some work around here. <laughs> so Paul here is telling us to pray unceasingly. That's 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, it must be of the heart. True prayer is of the heart. And how often should we pray? Unceasingly. Therefore, prayer is a matter of communion. Connection. Experience. Yes, I did use that word. I love my Bible. But my Bible is written by the Lord I should say inspired by the Lord. It is about the Lord, from the Lord, by the Lord, and should introduce me to the Lord. So many people can quote chapter and verse, which is beneficial. When you go to war with the devil, you better know the Bible. You better, because you can't tell him, you can't go, I know how to deal with you. Let me share a testimony of what God did three weeks ago. If you go toe-to-toe with the hordes of hell, you better know chapter and verse because that is how the Lord dealt with the enemy. If anybody could have spoken about experience, it would have been Jesus. How many of you know he's had a few experiences? But he chose to use the scripture. It is written. So it's very specific not his view of the Bible, not a vague mentioning. Well, I remember, this was funny. I remember worshiping the Lord, and for those of you who are on the team, you'll remember this like a few, I don't know, like two years ago, maybe. I was worshiping, and a a well-known guy on television came in, like mid-song, and like in that place, when the Lord comes, he's the, he's the king. Like I don't, uh, you know, it's great, that's an, it's great, but Jesus was there, so everyone else is kind of drowned out to me, you know? And he, we go in the back, and he starts saying, now you know what the good book says. We're talking. And he started quoting all these verses, and in the back of my head, I'm like, that's not in the Bible. Where are you getting that? He's like, you know what the good book says? Do this and that. I was like, I think you're reading the wrong book. They were like these good sayings, but they were not in the Bible. I was sure of that. And um, that's not what Jesus did. He honed in with the specifics of quoting what was written. It's powerful. So don't misunderstand me. I have deep value for knowing Scripture. Some of you may have family members who post Scriptures up on their walls 
everywhere. Sometimes they're really good at quoting verses but have no clue who Jesus is. So I don't want you to misunderstand me. This isn't Mike, like here's my Bible. If you come after it, we will fight. Literally, I will, that's probably my wife, my kids, my Bible. If you touch this, we're going at it. This thing is a tears in it, smeared ink from the tears. I love the word of God. I will hold it and literally kiss the word of God and look up to the Lord and thank him for it. But if the word of God doesn't open your eyes to the crucified and risen Lord, we are missing the point. That's what I'm saying here. Okay, so prayer, prayer must go beyond the bounds of mere verbalization. It must. It's a matter of the heart communing with the Lord. And in that place, it can become unceasing, which I would submit to you is the great achievement of the Christian experience to find constant communication and experience with the Lord. It is a much better achievement than planting churches. It is a much greater achievement in God's eyes than having big crowds or winning a bunch of people to the Lord or being well known. Here is why. The person who finds the consistent, unceasing communion, God will absolutely work through. You know, this is what's happening in this day and age. If you have mixture as a leader in the body of Christ right now, if you're walking in mixture, your days are numbered. I'm just being real. Your days are numbered if you are walking in mixture. If you're still justifying uh, your compromise with supposed results. So if you act a certain way, if you build accordingly, if you build the church a certain way, if you, if you quench the Holy Spirit in the name of, of, of bringing people to Jesus, which is not the way it's meant to be, it makes no sense. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what he's doing. Right? If you tweak your messages for the sake of people, right? The church is not all about people. The church is a people. She is a people who are all about Jesus. Now, the result of that is people flocking to Jesus. But what I would like to submit to you this morning is that the how actually matters. In fact, it's the how that we will be judged for at the throne. Nobody here is going to go, hey, Lord, please bypass my mixture because I led 20,000 people to Jesus last week. He's not going to do that. Because what he's going to say is, I actually did it through you. Does this make sense? So purity is not a small issue. It's not a side issue. I think somebody once said, uh, well, I, I, now that I thought through it, I'm not sure I completely agree with the quote, but it was 90% good, so I'm going to hold it. <laughs> it's like, well, no. Um, it was pretty good, though. All right. What's this ha- what is happening now is, is the days are numbered if you decide to lead or live that way. And what the Lord is showing is that if you have like 10 vats, let's just say you have these 10 vats of water and nine are barely polluted, 
but there's one in the middle that is pure. So nine are bitter, one is pure. The people will taste the bitter ones. And even though it may have an effect, it may be beneficial, it may keep you from dropping dead in the moment, eventually everybody is going to line up to get to the pure vat. So to think that building according to the word of God will limit impact is a lie from the pit of hell. Does that make sense? So unceasing prayer, when that becomes that which I fight for, that which I protect, and there's no separating unceasing prayer from the unceasing experience of his presence. So we're talking about Jesus here, really knowing him. When that becomes that which I fight for, God will make sure that people come your way. See, I grew up in a tradition uh, in orthodoxy where there were holy men. And people would travel the world to get to them. And they didn't have like a great promotional campaign. In fact, many of them lived in like little huts. Or I grew up around holy priests that were actually truly anointed. True power flowing through them. Trust me, the the enemy wanted nothing to do with them. And I encountered one at seven years old and I've never felt anything like it since. His ambition wasn't, I need a bigger crowd. His ambition was, I must find continual experience of the Lord's presence. And therefore, because he was as aware of the Lord as anybody I've ever met, and that's the guy who prayed for my dad when my dad was crippled in his leg and my dad got completely healed. Completely healed. All the muscle grew back after five years of atrophy in one night. Because of his obsession with the Lord Jesus, his experience became known by those who came around him. And that's why the scripture says, the psalmist writes, they looked unto him, Jesus, and their faces were radiant. In other words, my beholding of the Lord, that continual experience of the Lord, actually changes me into somebody the Lord can trust to impact people. And eventually you begin impacting people without trying. And the rat race dies. The stuff that's taken so many out dies. The temptation's still there. But so much of that dies. You know, you start to think of this thing uh, in light of the long haul, the slow drip. You, you, you live with a throne in mind. And that kills a lot of the pressure. You know, for our, like our songwriters and stuff, there's no like quota. There's no songwriting quota here. Hey guys, we've got to knock out six this month. No, no, we write what heaven gives us. And if he doesn't talk for two months, we don't, 
where's the grind? Why how'd that get here? Well, I don't have to plant seven campuses that need to run this. And if I do a certain thing with marketing, that guarantees me a certain amount of people and that makes me acceptable among the pastoral growth community. No, there's none of that. That's the arm of the flesh. If the Holy Spirit doesn't lead or speak, it is the arm of the flesh. Period. It's not accepted. It cannot glory in his presence. God doesn't want it. doesn't need our help. Here's a great theological revelation. God does not need our help. He needs our death. Do you understand? So I want our offerings to be pure before the throne. When I didn't always pastor this way, Jess will tell you, when I, my first go at pastoring, you've heard the story in 2004 in Southern Cal. Oh man, was it a dead church? How many of you came from outside the state of Florida to be here this morning? Look, look at all these hands. Okay, well, I can thank, thank you for coming. The Lord bless you. Guys, can we honor them? <laughs> Honored to have you. All that to say, that was not happening in Southern Cal. People were not lining up to get in. They could not wait to leave. When your own wife doesn't attend your sermons, Jesse showed up to about 6% of them. And that's being generous. So, no. But you know, I was, a, I was so grinded out. The, the, the wind was off. The goal was off. I had no thought or language about shepherding a people so that they would be able to stand before the throne and, 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 and offer the Lord fruit that remains, that would make it through holy fire one day, because that is coming. It was all about, if, if the room is packed, I feel better about me. I made that thing just die. And unceasing prayer is the way there. Do you understand? That's how you get there. Because the person who is satisfied in Jesus isn't for sale. It's not that they're rude or obtruse. They just, you can't give them something that's shinier than him. <laughs> you can't dangle a shiny object in the face of the one who dwells in unapproachable light. They're just going, I love you like Jesus loves you, but I'm, I'm stuck. I'm fed, I'm nourished. So your food won't replace heavenly bread. I'm, I'm good, you understand? And so whether the Lord has you in the quiver or has you in the bow, it doesn't matter if you're resting in the quiver or you're in the bow, you are satisfied because you are with the master who either has you in the quiver or is about to fire you. Do you understand? I don't mean fire you from your job. Use you, I should say. All right, that's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I mentioned this before, but I want us to look back at John 5.19. Let's go there. Uh, David, you want to read John 5.19? Then Jesus answered and said to them, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. All right, so when Jesus says most assuredly, it's time to go like this with your spiritual ears, okay? You wanna listen very carefully and hear what he's saying. Here we see the son of God announcing most assuredly that he does nothing he does not see the Father do. Nothing. This is perhaps one of the greatest examples of continual prayer. Let me back up for a moment and just talk to you about this progression. Prayer begins with putting, well, I shouldn't say this. Prayer begins with an invitation from God. We call that, I feel like praying. That's not what God calls it. God calls it knock, knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. We, in our innocence, and uh, I know the Lord laughs at us sometimes. He, he has to, gosh. We go, it starts with me. I, I'm the origin of wanting to pray. It's me, it's right here. I'm the prayer guy. Right? Most of your questions at Jesus School for the Jesus School students, a lot of the questions are, tell me how to live in the secret place. There's so, if those of you who are there, you'll notice that there's so many questions as though I'm the secret place guy. <laughs> no, the Lord is the one who dwells in secret. Okay? So us feeling like praying, is, that's not the origin. The origin is the Lord's invitation. Okay, which doesn't cancel our responsibility. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is asking us to pray and we don't, and he does have a sensitive heart, which the scriptures teach, that means we can reject him. So I don't want to alleviate the weight of the yes or no. There's a massive implication, of course for us, but I want to go deeper into the heart of Jesus regarding our yes or no. His feelings should matter to the bride. If you're in love, you care about what he feels. You, you, you cannot be so addicted to your calling, which is, by the way, to cling to the son. What's my assignment? To cling to Jesus. No, 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 no. You know what I mean. No, I don't. What should I do? Whatever he does. Where should I do it? Wherever he leads you. If you hold on to his robe, you're going to be in the right place at the right time. If you hear what he's saying, you'll say the right thing. And you'll say it in the right place because you're holding on. You're close enough to hear. Do you understand? So, when the Lord begins to invite us Well, let me say it another way. Some of us are deaf to his voice because we're addicted to an assignment that we created. Because somebody else inspired us to be just like them. 
one of the you know the one thing I did not want to do in king in the kingdom was pastor. I I am of the the conviction that there is a special place in heaven for pastors. That's near a golf course. <laughs> Pastoring is one of the hardest, most difficult, most gut wrenching, most disappointing most betrayal-filled occupations you could ever, ever, ever want to get into. You would have to be a psycho to pastor without the voice of God. The word pastor means shepherd. And a shepherd leads actually from behind by nudging you with his staff. And you just kind of go, go here. There's grass over there. Eat that. Turn to your Bible. Hmm. That's like what you do, you know? It's like, hey, there's fresh grass over here. I got it for you. Oh, are you thirsty? Here, let's go beside the still waters. Then you lead them in worship. And that, that's kind of like what goes down. That's the whole deal. It's costly. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world, I promise you. And along the way, you're stepping in poop the whole time. You stink like the sheep, you, everything. And the, the, then you got to trim the sheep and they get mad. You know, they, I don't know, they don't like that process. Shearing them back so they can grow greater wool. They thank you like five years later. But that's pastoring. It's glorious. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Pastoring is shepherding. You get smelly, you get covered in poop. And God will honor it. <laughs> and he does because he's the greatest pastor. Amen. All right. All that being said, uh, the one thing I didn't want to do was pastor. Because I had all these other ideas as to how God would call me. And then finally, I, I, was, I, I woke up to this. Oh, no, I've called me. The Lord isn't as glorified when you step into something that you're naturally equipped to do. If it were all about preference, where's the cross in that? And you have to make sure that your assignment doesn't become your message. That's why I don't teach you, except for maybe like three days out of the year, and even in that I just talk about Jesus, how to pastor. Because I'm not sure you can do that on an outline. Like honestly, the front door to pastoring should be, you ready to get smoked? and die but what a, it's, it's the most it's the most this has been the greatest most satisfying assignment God has ever given me to walk with you in the presence of Jesus to do it together to touch his heart with the people to be a true worshiping community who loves the word of God and walks in holiness we're not perfect at all but that's part of the journey as well, is dealing with these imperfections and letting the cross rub it out of us. Okay. All of that being said, you cannot make your preference your means of satisfaction. It must be communion with the Lord. Unceasing communion with the Lord. And Jesus tells us how he does it. I do nothing. I, 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 I basically go, I don't go anywhere. 
I don't pray for anyone. I don't walk on water. I don't multiply bread. I don't multiply fish. I don't raise the dead unless I see the Father doing it. And by the way, I'm so humble when you tell me great job, I'm going to tell you it is the Father who does the work in me. That's freedom. Did you hear that? That's freedom. The crown casters, the ones who cast their crowns at the Lord's feet, who deny the trophies, that's freedom. Because they can't be barbed by the hooks of this world. I've heard people go, you're going to put a 28-minute song up? That's breaking the rules. I said, well, whose rules are they? People won't listen to it. He will. I don't care. Of course you care. You don't you want people to be reached? Sure, but I don't want them to be reached at the expense of grieving him. He'll reach them. They just don't do that on these platforms. They're not going to listen to 28-minute songs. Well, they are now. We don't listen based on pref we don't release based on people's preference. We we feel we've tried to feel the anointing. Where's their moisture? What's God doing? That's God's endorsement. We're doing that. That's freedom and it's unceasing prayer that leads you there. Colossians 4:2. Can you read that? I mean, we're gonna take communion here in just a moment. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meaning while praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Okay, continue steadfastly in prayer. Let me just break down this progression. Prayer begins with saying yes to the invitation. That begins with the Lord himself. Number two, the body is put under subjection. Paul says that. Daily, I put my body under subjection. If by any means, I myself be a castaway after having preached the gospel, basically. What does it look like to put the body under subjection? Body, you will sit in that chair. I'm tired. You will drink a coffee and sit in that chair. I don't want to do it. You will sit in that chair. I am tired. You will sit in that chair. Are you, are you hearing me? It's too early. I'm up. I neither slumber nor sleep. Come be with me. This bed is comfortable. You will sit in that chair. I have jet lag. You will sit in that chair. That's what it looks like to put the body under subjection. If you cannot steward your body, how will you judge angels? That's why sexual purity or impurity is such a huge deal. Because impurity is actually a sin against your own body. Do you get it? If we can't steward our tongue or our natural body, how can we lead a people? There must be a standard. If God can't trust me to sit in a chair, how can he trust me to lead you? Right? Does that make sense? So it starts by saying, no, Michael, yes, Lord. And then I realize he's not inviting me because he hates me. He's inviting me because he wants to be with me. Say this, 
I am betrothed to Jesus. Say, Jesus is my bridegroom. Say, a wedding is coming. Say it again. A wedding is coming. One more time. A wedding is coming. Yes. You don't have to say this part. Let me preach now. Yes, yes, he purifies you in prayer. Of course he does. The fire of God burns out the dross and you become more and more like Jesus. Yes, he teaches you the ways of the Spirit in prayer. You don't want to learn them first in public. That would make you an employee. That's like Judas. Judas is a public servant who struggles in intimacy with Jesus behind the scenes because his heart is twisted. That'd make you like King Saul. He can prophesy when he's around prophets, but it consults a witch. You don't want to learn on a platform or on a mission field or on the street. There's a lot of guys who get people healed on the street who live like devils. I know them. Well, I don't anymore, but I did. You don't want that. You learn it in private, and that private touch becomes your food. His voice becomes your food. And then you get to this place in life where you go, if, 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 if I don't have this, I, I don't like me. I am the worst version of Michael when I don't have this. Say amen, babe. Amen. Yeah. So, so it's true. It becomes a literal matter of life and death. The experience of the Lord's presence. Not a side issue, the only issue. Do you understand? I think there's going to be a lot of churches with very few people who are about to get filled with God's presence. And I think the pastor's not going to care. I do. I think the day's coming where empty rooms are going to become very beautiful. And then the people will come God's way. I, I feel it's... I, know, I mean, come on. The church didn't major in results... People always point to the book of Acts. What is the, the context of the book of Acts? The move of the Spirit. The Spirit coming to live with his people. He himself accomplished the results. Where does Paul end up on this journey? He says, finally, after accomplishing all this, here's what I want. I want to know him. Now, that's not just some dude who's got a Facebook ministry. This is a guy who wrote over half of the New Testament who raised the dead and was raised from the dead by his own disciples, many theologians would say, when they gathered around him and he was stoned. Some believe he actually died. Nonetheless, even if he didn't, he's flogged, shipwrecked, shook a serpent off, Christianized much of Europe and Asia Minor. This is no slouch. And by the end of it all, after the entire Christian world knows who he is, this little man, he goes, here's what I want, Philippians 3.10. I want to know him. And that word no doesn't mean I want to think about him and agree with his statute. That's what we like. Oh, yeah, I believe he's died. Uh-huh. And I believe he's raised from the dead. Uh-huh, cool, you're in. Well, here's the question. What does believe mean to you? What does believe mean to the Bible? <sighs> oh, yeah, I believe that. Check. Yeah, I believe it. I believe he did. Yeah, okay, great. You are in the company of the demons because they all believe it. There's not a demon in hell that isn't aware of the fact that Jesus plundered the grave. 
They watched it and shook when he did. So certainly believe cannot believe, cannot mean mental agreement. Amen? Okay. So, that being said, Paul is saying, I want to know him on these two fronts and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, after having achieved much, says, I want this. This is the bullseye now. I want to know Jesus. Now, once I begin to put my body under subjection, is this okay this morning? I then begin to verbalize with my mouth. I can start with the scriptures. I call this the prayer of the mouth. This is not illegal, but this is how it starts. I like to use the Bible. I'm just giving you basic principles here. Take the Lord's Prayer. Take Psalm 91. Take Psalm 23. Uh, you can take some of the Hallel Psalms. You, you, whatever, I, I, would, I would highlight Psalm 22 to, to engage with the Lord's, the, the price that the Lord paid for us. Be, take these scriptures and begin reading them slowly and praying them with, with an awareness of the Lord's presence. And it won't be as strong as it will be in about 15 minutes. That is like, Madame Guyon said, that is like a baby crying, wanting milk. It's needed. Because the scripture says in James 4.2, you have not, why? All right. And Jesus says the same thing. So there is this place of asking, of speaking. It's proper, it's right, but it's not the end of the road. Oh, gosh. When I'm done teaching on death, burial, and resurrection, I'm going to teach on the tabernacle. Okay? But eventually, you leave the crowd, you leave the camp, you get to the gate, you get to the altar of sacrifice, you go through the wash basin, which is the washing of the word, you come in to the, to the holy place. There are priests in the holy place, but there's a deeper place where there's nobody there but God. And that is what prayer looks like. Prayer begins with this verbal experience. I verbalize the scriptures because I know if I'm verbalizing the scriptures, I am praying the will of God. And I don't have time to waste, so I want to pray the will of God. But something begins to happen. My mouth begins to connect with my heart, and this is where I want us to find. This is what I want us to find. The prayer of the heart. This deep fellowship with Jesus that goes with you everywhere, that turns layovers into revivals. Hmm? That turns a traffic jam on I-4 into a worship service. Hmm? That turns a temptation into an easy rejection. No thank you. Prayer of the heart eventually becomes nonverbal. And I don't, I, I, I don't have the time to get to it all. This, this is about a deep communion for you that will absolutely impact people. But listen carefully. I, I love the way my father-in-law Bill says this. 
He's in me for me, but he's on me for you. He's in me for this personal fellowship. He's anointed me. He's come upon me for breakthrough for God's people. Write this down. Prayer can do anything that God can do. And since God can do anything, prayer can do anything. Are Tori. Prayer can do anything God can do. And since God can do anything, prayer can do anything. And in closing, can you help me there, Joel? These two things, I want you to write this down. Prayer and the study of the word walk together. There is no true prayer without the giving of the mind and the heart to the word. going slow here. There is no true prayer without the giving of the mind and the heart to the word. Because the word births prayer. But hear me carefully. But there is no way to study the word without prayer. Are you tracking? I'll, I'll say it all again. Prayer and the word walk together. There is no true prayer without the giving of the heart and the mind to the word of God. And there can be no true study of the word without prayer. Why? Listen carefully. Without the Holy Spirit, this book is locked. Locked. Jesus is still the book opener. Do you get it? And he's still the only one who opens the scriptures to his disciples. If you do not know the Lord and have no desire to know the Lord and decide to become a theologian who is void of interaction with the Lord, you will step into, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, what Saul of Tarsus did. You will take your study and use it to kill God's beloved. And that's why he writes, the letter killeth. He's saying that because I, he did it. Do you remember when Saul was killing Christians? Yes or no? You remember that? Do you know what he was using to justify the killing of Christians? His view of Scripture. 
That's scary because it's happening today, by the way. You just, I don't want to encourage you. You can go online, find them everywhere. People who destroy people through criticism and hatred and they use the Bible to do it. There's a time to speak up and confront uh, heretical views and sins. Of course, of course, of course. But gosh, you got to choose your battles. You don't want to create a culture where unless you agree with me, you're a a demon. So Paul here is using the scriptures to kill the church. And then something happens. I feel the Lord. Something beautiful happens. He meets Jesus. The actual Jesus. He meets him. And he sees him. And Paul had used those eyes of his, those natural eyes, to do two things consistently. Comb the text and find God's people and kill them and imprison them. He held the clothing of those who killed Stephen. That's why Paul says towards the end of his life, I'm the chief of sinners. That's why you can write a book like the book of Romans regarding God's grace. Paul's aware, I don't deserve this. I was a murderer prior to this. So Paul's doing two things, combing the scriptures and looking for God's people to kill them. And he meets Jesus and goes blind. Jesus says, I've got something to do with those eyes of yours. I'm going to take care of them for a minute. Because when I open them, you're not going to look at mere paper and ink or parchment and ink. Now you're going to see me walking through the garden of every verse. And the verses you use to kill my bride, and by the way, Saul, You're persecuting me, not just my bride. The verses you used to kill them, I'm going to open. I'm going to open them to you. And when I open them to you, you're going to walk straight in the synagogue and prove that I am the Messiah with the same verses you used to kill my people. Oh, I felt the Lord come so strong right there. Do you know why? One thing happened. He met Jesus. That's the hinge. That's the turning point. He meets the Lord himself, the true and living word. Yes, this is his word. But we serve a living word who is a person who suffered and died and was buried and raised again. And this morning, This morning, he's still the only book opener. He's still the only eye opener. He's still the only one who sets hearts on fire. And many of you need that. With every head bowed and eye closed. Death is so against God's original intention. Bodies decaying in the ground. Jesus weeps at Lazarus' tomb, of course, because he loved him, of course. Because he looked at that corpse that was about to decay. And he knew this was not my intention.
death is not my heart for my people. Separation from my presence is not my heart. My heart is life. I am the Lord of life. And many of you in this room this morning, many of you in this room this morning are like walking dead people. You attend church, but you're not alive. You open your Bible and your heart doesn't burn. You open the Word and you forget what you read 20 minutes prior. Some of you are here and you don't even want to be here. Somebody made you come. And the Lord of life, Jesus himself, is here this morning in this room wanting to open your eyes to his beauty and set your heart on fire that has grown dull. Some of you pray to prayer. Some of you may have been baptized. Some of you may have been on missions trips. But you are not in a deep communion with Jesus. You do not truly know the Lord biblically. What it means to really know Him, to be one with Him, to walk with Him, to love Him, to be free from sin, to be free from darkness, to be free from the stain of this world and the desire for it. What I can tell you, based on the Holy Word of God, is that if you give your everything to Jesus this morning, and I mean your everything, your eyes will open to His beauty. That heart, that hole in you, that deep hole in you, where some of you just don't even like getting up in the morning, you can't wait to go to bed because you walk around all day with a hole in you. This void, this chasm, this ache that won't go away. You don't even love life because there's an emptiness there. I can tell you based on the Word of God that He will come and fill those dry places with His beauty. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.